Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Thanks. I appreciate that. If you're joining us online, Merry Christmas to you as well. And I'll trust that you said it back to me so I can have a Merry Christmas. Otherwise, I won't. Uh, just kidding. I'll still have a Merry Christmas. Uh, so this guy I want to tell you about, he, he spent 200 days in space. 200 days in space. And he lived to tell about it, because that's how I found out about it. Because he was on a podcast that I occasionally listen to. His name is Terry Vertz. Uh, and he was a, is a former NASA uh, astronaut, which you can imagine. Uh, he spent 200 days on the International Space Station, more than 200 days. Um, and he was kind of telling a story about the, obviously telling about like what is it like to be on the space station and in space and all that stuff, which uh, that's really compelling and really interesting. Uh, but one of the things he told about was like a story after he got back and uh, he travels quite a bit. And as you can imagine, you know, he's got some good air miles on there because uh, he went to space. Get it? Come on, people. It's kind of a, you guys are tired or something. Okay. All right, so he uh, was traveling this one day to like the Middle East, and this was a place like normally he would be kind of uneasy when he landed in this place, and, and kind of just you know the the kind of violence that plagues the Middle East. He was surprised because he started to notice that no matter where he went on this earth, wherever he was, he felt at home. Now, after spending that much time in space, he started to feel and to sense that he was home, no matter where he was, even though he was not in his town, his hometown, or in his home country, he would still feel at home. He had a perspective change. Now, I know that what you're thinking, like, that's nice for him, because he was able to go to space and have this big epiphany, because he started thinking, you know, like, man, we're all on this, like, organic spaceship just kind of going through space. And if we could work together like a crew would, then things would be a lot better. Like, a lot of the things that we get hung up about and argue about, like, if we could just work through those and, and work together, that would be really good, right? And he's kind of, you know, he sounds like a guy from space. Because we don't know anything about that, you know? Can't we all just get along, that kind of a thing? So he has this big perspective shift, and, you know, last time I checked, none of us in this room have been to space. No? I mean, that would be an amazing, like, uh, did-you-know kind of thing, truth-telling thing about uh, someone. You meet somebody, and you have for lunch, you know, together, and, and you're just like, well, tell me something about yourself. I went to space. Wow, that's cool. You'd probably think they're crazy, unless they actually did. Um, but... He had a perspective shift, and I think this is the kind of thing that the Jews at the time that we're going to look at uh, in the book of Ezekiel needed too. They needed a perspective change. And for us today, in the midst of the Christmas season, we also probably need a perspective change. Because at this time of year, we start to kind of get wrapped up with the, the fantastic story of Christmas, right? We, we love it. We, it's a magical time of the year. Uh, but for the Jews at this time, and probably for all of us on some level, uh, the ma most magical time of the year doesn't feel so magical sometimes, right? Can we just be honest? Like sometimes it just doesn't feel that great. Sometimes it just kind of feels like, well, this is meh, just a meh kind of year. And if any year would be that kind of a year, it'd be this year, right? 
And so what if we could find uh, a different story to uh, capture our hearts again? My hope this today is that all of us would rediscover and reimagine and to see again, once again, the amazing hope of Christmas. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a background. So the Jews at this time, uh, this is a little bit after Jeremiah where we were last week. So Ezekiel, he was raised to be a priest, and before he went into the priesthood, because he had to be 30, right before then, uh, Jerusalem was besieged by the Babylonian Empire. And so, as we talked about last week, if you were tracking with us then, uh, the northern kingdom and southern kingdom, Israel had experienced a split, and they had two kingdoms. The Assyrian Empire came in and took over the northern kingdom, and then later the Babylonians rose to power, took over the Assyrians, and then thereby taking over Jerusalem as well. And they exiled, they took the people who were there, and they brought them into Babylon and kind of started to recultivate their culture so that they could become Babylonian citizens. And so uh, this is where uh, Ezekiel gets exiled out of Jerusalem into Babylon. He, along with people like Daniel and people like that, now are living in Babylon and God raises up Ezekiel to be a prophet to the people, to God's people, in the midst of living in a foreign nation that had taken over their people. So at this point, the people who were wrestling with the prospect of a loss of job, a loss of uh, home, a loss of culture, a loss of normalcy, a loss of being familiar with your surroundings, That was all realized. They were now living in the midst of that. And so now we come to this point where Ezekiel is starting to tell the the people what God would want for them in this time. Because uh, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of difficulty, there's a lesson that we can learn and God wants to grow us through it. Sometimes we're always questioning why we're going through it. And God wants us to become somebody different because we went through it. He's going to meet us in the midst of that. And so that's what he's speaking to the Israelites. And in Ezekiel 34, he's telling them a story about how their leaders were their shepherds and they failed. They failed and they needed a new story. And that's what Ezekiel was going to give them. I recently started reading a book called Leadership in Turbulent Times. Anybody think that's relevant? Leadership in Turbulent Times. Uh, it's, it's a good book so far. Um, but it's, it's a uh, book where they profile four different U.S. presidents uh, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin, or Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Lyndon B. Johnson, LBJ. And in this, in this book, uh, they tell a story of a moment with Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, he grew up in, as, as a, uh, an only child. His, his parents were pretty well off, and they kind of made it their sole endeavor to focus and love him and raise him up. And so uh, later his dad, when he was younger, when Franklin was younger, his dad uh, experienced some health issues. And so uh, his mom had to take over a lot of the, uh, lot of the responsibilities for raising him uh, because they didn't have his dad to, to help. And so Franklin uh, learned that his mom really looked to Franklin for a lot of uh, camaraderie and compan- companionship, the relationship. He, she was really dependent on him. And uh, because of that, he didn't go to boarding school until two years later than most kids would go. And so he goes to boarding school two years late. And as you can imagine, if you've ever gone to a new school, uh, it's the first day, everyone else seems to have their friends, right? Everyone seems to have 
the group that they're in. And Franklin's coming in two years late, doesn't know anybody, really didn't grow up with any friends his own age, kids his own age uh, to be around. And so they're, he's kind of making, making, trying to make it work. And he's having a really hard time with it. But he writes his mom a letter. And in this letter, he kind of puts together all the details of, the, of his day. And he, he crafts this story that was not at all reality. And talks about how he's playing, doing this with these kids and these groups, oh, doing such a great job with them. And, and he starts to craft this alternative story that he was not living, but he wanted to be true. And I think for the Jewish people at this time right now, they wanted a different story to live into, but they didn't have it yet. And maybe for some of us, maybe for all of us, 2020 has presented this opportunity for us to where we're like, you know what? I hope 2021 is not the same story as 2020. I hope the story I live, the story I'm a part of is different. And so we're looking for what is it going to look like? What is it going to be? And Franklin turned to trying to craft his own story. And what I want us to do today is to be uh, anchored in the story of what God has done and is doing. So if you have a Bible, Ezekiel 34 is where we're going to be. And this is what God says through the prophet Ezekiel to this group of people, the Jewish people, the God's people, uh, who are in the midst of exile. This is what he says, Ezekiel 34 Verse 15, right before he says this, he says, Your kings, your leaders have been your shepherds, and they've done a terrible job, but I will become your shepherd. And this is what he says, I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. So you can see God's heart in this. You can see God's heart that, hey, I understand your leaders did not do a good job of shepherding you. And now because of your unfaithfulness, you are in exile. But I want you to know there is coming a day when I will become your shepherd and you will be my people and I will tend to you. I will allow you to lie down, to lie down. And you think about this, right? Uh, in, the, in the end of Ezekiel 34, just so that you know the whole picture, uh, he's talking about the people as the sheep and him as the shepherd, okay? So God's people are the flock, okay, in case that wasn't clear. Uh, and so imagine yourself to be a shepherd or a sheep. You're not the shepherd, you're a sheep. Okay, everybody there? Like walking around, you don't know what's going on. The sheep's, you know, the shepherd's like knocking you out because you're getting out of line, whatever. I'm not a shepherd. I don't know how that works, you know. But um, so the, the sheep, they are afraid. They, don't, they can't really defend themselves. That's why they need a shepherd. And yet God's saying there's coming a day when he's going to be the shepherd and he's going to allow the sheep to lie down. What does it take to be able to lie down? To, to feel secure, to feel safe. No longer will there be this uh, threat of an army to come in and take you over. No longer will there be this anxiety about the fact that you are in a place that you do not know. No longer will those dynamics be at play. Now you will have the shepherd with you and because of that you can lie down. Uh, much different than what it's like when I let uh, get my Xander and Zeke, my twin boys, to lay down at night. They don't stay laying down. They haven't bought into that story that sleep is good. 
And if we're honest, like a lot of us, God's saying, hey, you can lie down right now. You don't need to keep going. Just chill, lay down. And yet we're all like my my sons and just up and going crazy trying to think, you know, what else can I do? I need to do this. I need to do that. I have this thing to play with. I have this, you know, dresser drawer to jump off of. You know, a lot of us don't do that, but that's what they do. And you can make the connections to your own life, right? Um, a lot of us, uh, we have a hard time lying down, just resting, just being in his presence. Why? Because we're frantic. We feel like we've got to control things. We've got to do things. We've got to make sure things are in, in line and accomplished. And that's probably what a lot of us feel like right now. Because even though Christmas looks different, Christmas sometimes still looks the same, right? Busy. Anxious. Worry filling the day. Uh, one of my friends, and uh, she's in our community group, uh, she, she, uh, said re- recently that one of the sermons I preached earlier in the year is stuck in her head. Um, and she didn't really mean this in a good way. Okay. Uh, you remember back in the day when I preached a series called rhythm or blues, just say yes, nod. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. It was like 17 years, years ago. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were all like closer and stuff. Uh, well, I preached a sermon called Cadence, and it was about the Sabbath. And, and I made a point that if we don't observe the Sabbath, which, by the way, I think the Sabbath is a good thing. Uh, if we don't observe the Sabbath, if we don't rest, then God will make us rest. And she point, she kind of connected that to the like, stay-at-home order and quarantine and all that stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be prophetic. You know, <laughs> It was a joke, yeah. So uh, I don't think I was being prophetic, but... Uh, What God is going to come and do for these people was to come in and to lead them and to tend to their needs. See, I love the heart that you can see, the heart of God that you can see in this, because he wants to reshape the way they see the world. All of us have a worldview, and part of our worldview is the stories we believe and the stories we tell. The stories we believe about the way the world works, the stories we believe about how our place is in it or not in it, the stories we believe about what people think of us or said about us or the things that continue to go in our minds that tell us this is how we need to be and this is how we need to not be. We all have a worldview and God wants to uh, meet them right there in the midst of their exile, in the midst of their suffering and say, hey, there's a day coming that you can live in light of today. There's a day coming of hope where I'm going to meet you right now and I'm going to tend to all of your needs so even though we are going through a weird year uh, and a hashtag dumpster fire, um, we can live as people who still have hope in the midst of suffering. Amen? Because, and that's a hard thing to realize in the midst of it, but we still are God's people and we still have him as our shepherd and he's tending to us even in the midst of being surrounded by what we're surrounded by. Even surrounded by evil, surrounded by difficulty, surrounded by suffering and experiencing it for ourselves, God is still with us. And so we can go through this in a way that's different than the rest of the world. And now you have to imagine like how they must have felt. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. You're you're gone. You don't have your hometown anymore. Your homeland is gone. You are not part of that, you are in a culture that is completely different from yours. And a culture that really isn't very uh, happy that you're there. Isn't really like interested in your culture. 
I mean, there's a reason why God says what he says here. He's saying, I will seek the lost. Why? Because people were feeling lost. He said, I'll bring back the strays. Why? Because people were feeling like they were strays. So I'm going to bandage the injured. Why? Because people were in pain. He's going to strengthen the weak. Why? Because people were feeling weak. But he also says, I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. I will destroy them, uh, those who subvert the, the glory and the justice of God. They will be dealt with. God doesn't just leave that alone. He doesn't brush that under the rug like we often do with our own sin. He says, no, I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to destroy that. But I'm also going to tend to my flock. And so as God's people, if you've surrendered to Jesus, then you are part of his flock that he is tending to. He cares about the whole group, but he also cares about the individuals too. Individually, he cares about you. But what he's saying is it's not going to last. What you're, what you're going through right now, it's not going to last. The pain you're going through right now, it's not going to last. The, the struggles you're dealing with, they're not going to last. The hardships you're dealing with right now, they're not going to last. The pain you're dealing with, the, the, the pain you're feeling, it's not going to last. The worry you're experiencing is not going to last. The things you think might happen, they're not going to last even if they happen. But he's saying one day there's going to be a day where God's going to come and be the shepherd, the shepherd we need. And so who is that shepherd? Well, he tells us in verses 23 and 24, uh, skipping down there, he says this, I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So he's saying uh, the servant David, this is an allusion to the Messiah, the coming Messiah. Jesus was of the lineage of David. And if you take some time and read about the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew and actually spend some time looking up who they are and not just like gloss over that because the genealogy is a bunch of names that you can't pronounce. It's not really compelling. You want to get past that. Keep getting back to the story. I understand. Amen. But if you spend some time, especially in Matthew, you'll see all the messed up people that Jesus' lineage is full of. The people like you and me. The people, if you were like doing a comparison of who's a better person or not, you would win that comparison because they were worse than you from a human level. They're a messy family. You think your mess, family's messed up? Just look at Jesus' It's messed up. And yet he came in the midst of that because he was saying, hey, I came for the people like them, the people who don't have it all figured out, who don't have it all put together. I came for people like you. See, Jesus is the hero that we all deep down desire. Have you ever thought about why we are so compelled by stories that feature a hero? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, Joseph Campbell is a guy who wrote a, a book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in that, he kind of dissected and deconstructed the way we tell stories, the stories that we connect with the most. And this is why Disney has been so uh, successful is because they basically took the 12 elements of the hero's journey and, and they plugged it into their stories. Because why? Because we all desire to see, to be a part of, or to, to realize a story where, where there's some kind of problem and then there's some kind of person who's, who's identified as they, they need to be a part of this. They are our last hope. 
they, they are the ones who need to rise up and, and they, they have a time where they're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I should. And then they meet a mentor. The mentor drives them toward where they need to go. And then they have moments where, where they're facing, uh, trials and they're facing struggles and they battle through that. And eventually they get to the kind of deciding point or the, the big culmination point where they defeat the enemy. And then they bring everyone that was a part of them with their team, with their team. And they say, Hey, this is where we're going. This is a new day a new future, a new moment. And I just have to think, the reason why we connect with stories like that, that feature some kind of hero who rises up and saves the day, is because that's the story that is etched in our heart. That's the story we most desire. Because we see a problem out there. We see evil. We see it in ourselves and we see it in others and we see it society-wide. We desire a hero. And the reason we desire that hero is because deep down we all know it's true that there is a hero who has come. And his name is Jesus. It's the story that we all point to, that all the hero stories of our day point toward, and that is Jesus. It's the reason we desire that so much is because we know that there's something wrong with the world and we know that we need to be delivered from it. Jesus is the hero that you and I need. He's the one who conquered the enemy. See, this Christmas, what I, I just deep down want you and me to realize and to see. And I know, like, it's this. I know that the words that I'm about to say are things that you understand the words. I don't have to define them necessarily. Like, you, you, you will understand what it is I'm saying, but even though you'll understand the very words that I say, I need you to, to take a moment and reflect on what it is I'm saying. Like, really let it sink in. It's so simple. You've heard it. If you've been in church for a minute, you've heard it. Okay, are you ready? This Christmas season, we all need to remember. You need to remember. I need to remember. You are loved. You are loved. By perfect love. Not this love that we see on this earth that we experience right now because we're, we're people. I mean, think about it. If the only standard of love you know is what other people do or do not do with each other, how great is your standard of love? Have you ever hurt the person you love the most? You probably hurt them the most out of every other person, right? Whether intentionally or unintentionally. We need to know what real love is. Because we love everything, right? We love pizza. We love, we love decor. We love colors. We, we love cars, homes. We love all kinds of things. Shoes. We, we love all kinds. We, oh, I love that. That's so good. I love that. No, no, you are loved with perfect love. Like love that costs something. This is what scripture says. Just, just think about this. Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. That's real love, y'all. How do we know God loves us? Romans 5.8 says this. But God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does is, what is God do about the problem of evil? The cross. The cross. 
God proved his own love for us. You see, love, like real love, if you really want to love, it's hard stuff, y'all. It's really hard. It costs you something. It's not this like, oh, touchy-feely, oh, this is so good, you can't do any wrong. No, love calls you out when you're doing wrong. Love loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you do, love loves. This is, this is what Jesus did. This is crazy, y'all. This is so unlikely. This is not what we would uh, sign up for if we were God. Jesus came down, right? This is what we celebrate in Christmas, that he, uh, God became flesh to dwell among us. He, he lived a perfect life. Dude never sinned. He, he taught people. He healed people. He loved people. He called the Pharisees out quite a bit, the religious people. But then he suffered. He, he, he was whipped and beaten. His back was bloodied. He was stripped naked. Marched up to a hill called Golgotha, the place of skulls. And he was nailed to a Roman cross positioned in between two criminals. And while he's hanging there, get this, the people Jesus died for were you, were me, were you online, every person who's ever lived, every seven billion some odd individuals who are alive today, and every person who will live, but also in that moment, those Roman soldiers, as they were piercing his body with stakes, he loved them too. Don't get it twisted. Jesus died for them too. The ones who placed him on a cross, he died for them too. If we were God, we would not do that. Why? Because we don't have that kind of love. But Jesus died for them. Why? Because he loves them. That's the kind of love in which God loves us with. And let's not get it twisted either. Our sin is also a contributing factor to those stakes going into his body. His love kept him there. His love put him on that cross. But also the stakes that were driven through because of our sin. And yet, because at one time we were enemies of his now we are transferred, if you follow Jesus, into his family. Why? Because of his love. Because of the cross. Your, the, the, the love of God is proved to you by the fact that even while you were sinners, even though you didn't do all the right things, even though you didn't match up all the rules and you didn't check them all off, all of us were naughty. None of us were nice. Checked it twice, verified. And yet Jesus still delivered a gift, and that is himself. That was good, y'all. We need to put that on social media. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It would have been better if y'all clapped and were excited and stuff. There you go. We'll cut that in and take out my prompt to you to clap. That's how we'll do it. <laughs> Jesus' love for us was completely unlikely, but it was completely love. Because love doesn't just ignore our sin, doesn't ignore our uh, downfalls. It loves us in spite of it and deals with the downfalls. If you love someone and you see them going down a dark path, would it be loving to ignore it and let them go off the cliff? I, I'll, you can give me something. No. Then why do we oftentimes do that? Because oftentimes we don't know how to love. Jesus saw us going down that dark path, saw us going to that cliff. 
and he did something about it. And we should be grateful. So let me ask you this question. Which sheep are you? Which sheep are you? Are you the lost sheep that God says he will seek after? Are you the one who feels like you've gotten off the path, you don't know where you are, you don't know, it's kind of just been disorienting life lately. You're kind of like not sure where the next steps need to go because you're not really sure where you are. Are you the stray who's never felt like you were a part of the group, part of what you needed to be a part of, never accepted, never encouraged, you feel like the stray who's just always been the outcast, the one who didn't fit in. You feel like the injured. You just got so much pain, whether it be emotional or spiritual or physical, mental. You got so much pain that is welled up and you don't know what to do with it. You feel injured. You don't know that you can heal on your own. You don't know what doctor to go to because really the pain is deeper than just something on the surface. Do you feel like you're the injured sheep? Or do you feel like you're the weak sheep? Right now you don't have enough strength to go on. You just don't know where it is you need to go. And even if you did know, you wouldn't have enough strength to take a step. All of us probably resonate with some version of those. Which sheep are you? Because the, the truth is and the hope is and the amazing hope of Christmas is the fact that God saw us as sheep who have gone astray and he knows us as a people, as a world. He loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what God the Father did. But he also loves us so much that he saw each one of us individually and knew exactly what we needed. Why? Because he will seek the lost He will bring back the stray. He will bandage the injured. He will meet them. He will meet them. He's the one we need. He knows exactly what your needs are. He knows exactly what your hurts are. He knows exactly what you are dealing with. And if you let him, he will tend to you and let you lie down. See, because of Jesus, we have an opportunity to live a better story. Not one that's away from reality, like Franklin kind of conjured up to his mother. But one that is anchored in reality, the deepest part of reality. The thing when you break it all down, when you get rid of everything else, this is the thing that is ultimately true. It allows us to live a better story for our, in ourselves, like just to be able to see that. As I told you last, last week, I, I had a couple months this, this year, especially in the fall, where it's just some dark months. And what we tend to do, and this is what I tended to do, and this is what really put me there, is we all have events that happen, right? We all have things that happen to us or around us or whatever. And, and the events are oftentimes the thing we point to as like that's what caused this. Depression or feeling of anxiety. But oftentimes it's the interpretation of that event that leads us to the place of despair. 
That's what I had to realize is that it was we all have a tendency to fill in the narrative of the gaps of the information that we don't have. We try to fill it in. We try to put it in there. Why? Because we're story-driven people. We were created to live a story, a real one. And so what I had to realize is that, oh, Brandon, oh, look at you, man. Yeah, I know. You like to think big picture. You like to be able to see, you know, from a, a good distance and be able to see things really clearly. But Brandon, do you have all the details? Do you actually know that what you're believing, do you know if it's true or not? And here's the thing. No, I didn't. None of us have enough details to be able to conjure up the stories that we oftentimes believe. Is the story you believe about yourself, is it true? See, some of us, we deal with insecurities. We deal with pride. We deal with uh, arrogance. We deal with things that like we try and create ourselves to be a person that we think everyone else wants us to be. And we live our lives trying to be that. It's because we've bought into a story that's not true. We've bought into a story that tells us that, oh, we don't measure up because that's what they said about us. That's the story script that we started to believe. Or that, oh, man, your value is in what you do versus who you are. That's one that's easy for me. Finding my identity and what I accomplish, what I don't. What is it for you? See, Jesus opens the door for us to live a different story in our own selves. Where we can see that we were created in the image of God before you were ever even thought of, before you were ever even born, God knew you. He formed you in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what your circumstances of your birth and of you coming into the world were, it doesn't matter. God loved you and knew you and created you with a purpose in mind. He loves you and he cares for you so deeply that he sent his son to die for you. And that is the truth that we get to live by. It's the truth that now we get to know Jesus. And because of what he's done, we no longer have to live in the kind of a, a, a subpar life. We can live an abundant life where we actually experience what God wanted us to experience, to experience life with him. But this also changes the story we believe about other people too. Because I don't know, has 2020 created in you an awareness of kind of your own cynicism toward people at all? Seriously, let's do this. Just me, okay? All right, a few of us. No pessimism toward people? Hunky-dory, huh? Okay, cool. Good for you. Um, the people in this world, you know, they, they have a similar story to ours. They were also fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. They were also thought of and known before they were ever even born. They were also ones who were loved by God, who Jesus, when he came down to put himself on that cross and rise again, they were the ones who were meant to receive that blessing, that grace. And so even when we see people who were like, man, why are you doing that? Why are you thinking that? What, what in the world made you think that that was a good idea? Really? Why? You're saying that? Really? You're spewing that kind of hatred? Wow. Are you serious? Can you see the little cynicism? Uh, why would you do that? Why do you believe that way? People in this world, y'all, we get to live a better story. Why? Because we have a better story about ourselves and others that no matter what they believe politically, no matter what they believe religiously, no matter where they came from, no matter what their background was, no matter what they look like or talk like or don't talk like, whatever, uh, they are still people who are loved by God and adored by Him. 
No one is too far gone. The person at school who annoys you, they're not too far gone. The person at work who you can't stand, you avoid, they're not too far gone. The person you saw on the news, not too far gone. The celebrity you are annoyed by, not too far gone. The person in the commercial that annoys you, not too far gone. No one on this earth is too far gone. Why? Because the grace of Jesus is so much better and so much greater than any of our sin. And that's good news. But also, Jesus gives us a better story about the world as a whole. That God has been, from day one, driving history in a direction toward his grace. Driving history toward a moment. And this is what we get to celebrate in Christmas, where God became flesh to dwell among us, where he said, hey, I'm now going to shepherd you. I'm now going to deliver you. I'm making a way for all of you to have hope. And now you can have hope. And forever, He, this is what he did. He not only saved us and rescued us, but he started an insurgence of his kingdom people, which is, by the way, the church, in the midst of a world full of other kingdoms who do not worship Jesus, who are now tasked with the opportunity, the responsibility, the mission, the purpose to then tell people about Jesus, not with the sword, but with love, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We get to be the insurgent people of God for a world that is needing His hope, that is needing His grace, that needs to have their story be shaped by the gospel just like yours is too. That is the story we get to now live in and be a part of. History is driving us toward the realization that King Jesus really is king and that he's coming back. And he is going to offer grace to those who follow him and judgment to those who don't. Not because they just didn't choose him, but because they sinned against the holy God. And so if we care, this is an opportunity for us at Christmas time to really think about, wow, the love of God is amazing. Let's tell more people about it. See, this is what Christmas is. It's, it's much more than fantasy. Christmas is more than fantasy. It is a true story that has changed reality. Christmas is more than fantasy. It's a true story that has changed reality. <laughs> Anybody like a true story? True stories? Like you see a movie and it's like, true story. Like, okay, I'm signing up for that. I want to know what actually happened. I don't want any of this fake stuff. This really happened. This is that real stuff. This is that real stuff. Jesus' story, Jesus' coming, changed reality for all time. God's love is an unlikely love. We wouldn't have signed up for it. Let me just tell you this. So God says he's going to rise up the servant of David to be the shepherd. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd. And then he told the people a story. And he said this. He said, let's suppose you have a hundred sheep. You're a shepherd. Business is good. hundred sheep is pretty good. Pretty good. But then you notice, because a shepherd would know the sheep. He would know who it is and know their little names. Probably had little, little nicknames for them. And he would know them. He would be counting. He would always know that all the sheep are in the fold. But one got away. Let's just think about this. You got 99 around you. You've already got the 99. One left. Let's do a cost-benefit analysis. You say, okay, all right, boss. You go to your boss, the lead, you know, shepherd dude. and say, hey, got one missing. This is my plan. What, what should we do? Should I leave the 99 and go find the one? Or should I let the one go, sorry, like I got 99 others and just leave with the, like I just hang out with the 99. What should I do? 
What do you think the boss would say? Stay with the 99, ma'am. There's one sheep. That's it. One. You got 99 others. But here's the thing. God loves you, loves the sheep like a father loves a child. You got 99 kids. First of all, you've been busy, right? You have 100 of them. One leaves. You're still upset. You are brokenhearted by the one leaving, right? Yes. And so what does Jesus say he does? He's the shepherd who leaves the 99, who are safe in the fold. They're already, they're good. Leaves the 99, goes, finds the one, and finds him, seeks him, finds him, puts him on his back, and brings him back to the fold. Brings him back to the flock. That's the kind of love that Jesus has for you. Because there was at one time, no matter if you grew up in church, you were born in the front pew or not, uh, you had a time when you were lost. And Jesus came and he sought you out. And he is seeking you out if you haven't been found yet. And if you have been found, he's the one who found you, put you on his back, and brought you back to where you need to be, into his family, into his flock. That's the kind of love Jesus loves us with. It does, it's way bigger than what we would ever sign up for, way more than we would ever be able to conjure up on our own. This is crazy, y'all, but that's the kind of love that God loves us with. Crazy love. Crazy, amazing, unlikely kind of love. So let me ask you this. What story has been on replay in your mind? What story has been on replay in your mind about the world, about what God has been doing, what you have believed about yourself, what you believed about other people, what you've thought about this season? What story has been on replay in your mind? Because this is what God wants to do. He wants to set you free with the false stories that tend to take up residence in your mind and replace it with the gospel story that you are loved you are cared for. Yes, you've, you've sinned. Yes, you've been lost at times. Yes, you've been injured. Yes, you've been going astray. But God loves you so much that he went and found you. He bandaged you up. He brought you back. He's the one who loves you. What an amazing love. And he didn't just say it, but he delivered his love on the cross. And he's made a way for all of us to have life. So what's the story that you have had on replay in your mind? Either about yourself, about others, or about this world. And is it true? Because if it's not, then lie down and let God tend to you. That's what he was saying to the Jewish people in the midst of exile. And when he was telling them about a shepherd that would come. The shepherd has come, y'all. His name is Jesus. And he wants to tend to you, whatever that is. Whatever that means. Whatever struggles you're having. So maybe this week you just find some time to lay down and let him change the story that is in your mind. Because he will. And it'll be a much better story than the ones we tend to believe. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray and sing out to our awesome God. Father, we thank you for being the God that you are. Um, we know, Lord, that in this time, in this season, uh, we can get so caught up in the celebration of the holiday of Christmas that we miss the point of Christmas. 
Help us, God, to, to have a uh, life of awe and wonder restored because of what you've done in our lives, because of what you are doing. Help us to see you at work. Father, I believe we need a renewal of the way we see and the way we believe, the, way, the stories we believe about what is true and what isn't. Father, would you please renew in us an awareness of what you are doing and how much you love us. God, I pray for the person who feels like they've been lost. God, would you remind them, would you show them that you are seeking after them? And they can lie down and they can wait for you to come because you'll be right there when they turn. God, I pray for the person who feels like they are just injured. They, they don't have anywhere to turn. They feel like they're in pain. They're overwhelmed. Father, I pray that you would bandage them up and help them to realize that you're doing it when you're doing it. I pray for the person who feels like they've strayed, like they're astray, like they have no place to call their own, no place to call home, no place that they belong in, no community to love them. I pray that you would bring them back you would open up an opportunity for them to see that you love them, you care for them, you are for them. God, whatever it is, whatever difficulties we're dealing with, not only as a society with all of this year has been, but also each of us individually, God, I pray that you would meet us right there. Holy Spirit, please have your way in us and point us to Jesus, the one who came, the one who died one who rose again, the one who's coming back. Encourage us, Lord, and hear us as we sing out to you as one body, one voice, whether we're in this room or at home. God, please hear our worship and may it be pleasing to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. In church, if you agree, you said, amen. amen.